Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Today, we interview Bert Sarkinen, who is not only an expert and author on hybrid timber framing, he is the founder and owner of the company, Aero Timber Framing. Bert brings together virtual teams of designers, architects, engineers, and craftsmen from Alaska all the way to Florida to design some of the most beautiful homes in the country. He shares with us that the secret to creating committed virtual teams is to place more emphasis on listening than speaking, to ask questions, and to experiment like crazy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm Mitch Simon, your co-host on the West Coast, and with me is my lovely co-host, Janae Bianca Mathis on the East Coast. And today we're excited to introduce Bert Sark. Gennon, founder of Arrow Timber and author of the new book, The Art of Hybrid Timber Framing. We're excited to have Bert on because he has been inspiring remote teams and creating beautiful structures throughout the United States. So I've just got to say, Bert Huva Huamenta. How are you? Huva Huamenta. We share Finnish background. We do. We're doing great. Great. Well, we are um, really excited to learn how you lead your hybrid teams to create such beautiful hybrid timber frame. It's just kind of, it's just kind of really exciting how we're focused on hybrid and your book is about hybrid. And can you just tell us about, for those of us who do not know anything about timber framing, what is hybrid timber framing? So hybrid timber framing is using exposed beam constructions like post beam construction in conjunction with modern-day building systems. Back in the day, is mortise and tenon. They did not have nails. They used wooden pegs. So it was, it's an age-old construction that is used to build dwellings and gathering places for centuries. And it died in the expansion of the Wild West in, that, in, the, in the Industrial Revolution then because of three factors, railroads, nails, and sawmills. And that gave way to our platform framing we know today. So it kind of died out. A gentleman by the name of Ted Benson in the 1970s brought this into revival. There's been a Timber Framers Guild started since then. And it's really been an exciting thing to be part of this, to help people personalize their homes and structures with this artistic wood that just resonates with community, solidity, love, belonging, all these big things that matter to us as humans, right? And then also with this book, to be able to give back to the community, because when I started, I didn't know a thing about it. A customer asked me to do some timber framing, and I said, just like your listeners, what is timber framing? And so I said, well, let me think about it. I went to the library, found some books on it, and fell in love with it. Wow. Someone will follow the same path with a little help from my book. Bert, I wanted to understand over the last year with, um, with this pandemic, how have you been able to 
keep your um, your employees, your your designers, your architects, you know, everyone involved in your projects together because um, it's been hard to, you know, have people come to the office to kind of see you every day. Like, what have you been doing to really keep these teams really focused on the prize? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it's been a little bit more, a little bit tougher with Zoom and with meetings. We've, our sales and marketing, most of our meetings have been remote, even with clients, sometimes even with or without the pandemic, we're working in Alaska and we're working in Florida and different places. So pretty big spread. Yeah. As far as you mentioned, the communicating the vision and keeping everybody engaged, that is a tough nut to crack, Mitch. So here's a little That's going to come to you, Bert. <laughs> What's that? That's why we've come to you. Okay. Right. Well, I don't, I'll, I'll do, I'll share my experiences and failures here and Great. successes. But here's a little, a, a little test here. So we're all familiar with nursery rhymes and different songs we've learned as a kid. Yep. And so I'm going to play the part of the leader. <laughs> and you two are the employees. And I'm going to drum out the tune of one of these like lullabies or songs we've heard as kids. Okay. And you yeah. guys get to guess which one. All okay. right. Jenny, you ready? I'm, I'm ready. ready. Here we go. Ready? Can you hear this? Here. Can you hear that? We can. Yes. Okay, so here we go. Three, two, one. Okay. What tune was that? I don't have obviously Stairway to Heaven, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it, Bert. I don't, I don't have it. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, and and so you know that that's that that really symbolizes what I'm hearing as a leader and my message to my employees and what they're hearing. Yes. You know, they're just not getting through. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that is just such a common common thing in in all communications even between my me and my wife me and my children then it's when you get into different levels of power and leadership your paradigms are different and the messes can just so easily just be noise thump 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 right 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 and so that's a really big challenge and i don't think it's anything that it can be addressed with a silver bullet it's it's a myriad of things as well as just rolling up your sleeves and the hard work of communication. So what have you, cause I know uh, you're, you're hybrid timber, so you're not using a lot of silver bullets or silver nails. So what have you been doing instead to, um, to really allow your employees to understand what tune you're trying to pump out there? But the under, cut, <laughs> understand the thumping. Yeah. Yes. So, one of the tools that I've used through the years has been something I picked up from uh, my mistakes in trying to teach as a, as when I was doing the framing, I would, I would start out and I would give people complex instruction and how to really quickly and efficiently frame this corner, flyer place, rake wall, rafters, whatever it was, and just give a data dump of everything that, that, would make this go fast and it would spin them out. And so I figured out that the best thing to do is to ask them, 
how they think they should go about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's what we're kind of going to do. What do you think the best way to go about this is? And then depending on where they were, maybe offer a few tips, but just not too much. And then come back after they've struggled a little bit. And now once their mind has been wrapped around it, they've struggled a little bit with it. Then now I can give some more data and have it find fertile ground and not make things go backwards. Right. And so with with that, even with our clients and how they progress on their journey and what they're trying to figure out, I really have to avoid too much information and getting too passionate at first. And so even with our vision and that, it's questions, what are we trying to do and and, and what is important here? How should we go about this? And then when I get questions and the feedback that comes back, now we're cutting through that thump, thump, thump. Mm -hmm. Because it's coming back and I'm hearing what's in their head. I see. So you're saying it's it's more important to understand what's in their head than what's in your head, Bert. That's kind of what I use in my starting point and then work from there. Right. And that's been very effective for me. Some people have the gift of being able to communicate immediately on somebody's level and just resonance and go right through it. I don't have that. So I've got to start with a question, understand where they're at and build from there. I think it's, I mean, I think it's a great philosophy, um, especially with people so, you know, distant and separated and especially, um, you know, the reason why we really want to have you on is because your, your job seems to be pretty complex and very, very creative. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as I imagine you're working with people. If you're working with people all over the country, they're probably, people that you've never worked for on a project and you're probably never going to work with them again. Yeah. So a lot of times a client will contact us and they have their builder, they introduce us and we work together. Yeah. We become a, in the front end, our first ad is design and planning, how timbers are going to affect the space, what kind of resonance, what kind of beauty. But then it's a subcontractor hat. Right. Just like you're saying, being able to communicate with that is, is really a key deal. The times that I've dropped the ball has been when I have just communicated on my end, given them information, and not asked for that feedback. It's basically right. turned into thump, thump, thump. You know, put the post here and blah, blah, blah. If I can get pictures of the job site, if I can get layout of the trust plan, and then on the most recent blueprints, and really work from... It's kind of like I do with my employees, work from what's on there and always, always getting that feedback. What's in their head, taking a peek. Yeah, no, I love, right. I love that. The, um, I know that I love that communication philosophy, which is like, really, I, I really don't know what they're thinking unless I find out what they're thinking. Communication actually is really, communication has nothing to do with what I say. It only has everything to do with what they think I'm saying. Exactly. Um, so t- I, um, what I heard was you, um, you have a very unique leadership philosophy. Um, and I was just wondering how you imbue, you know, what is your leadership philosophy and how do you imbue it throughout your company, which sounds like it reaches at least all the way from Alaska to Florida, which is pretty, pretty far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as, as far as leadership, uh, I, I kind of subscribe to the, to the school of, you know, a hundred brains are better than one. 
And I there's there's a concept also that if I wanted to be the superstar and hog all the passion and honor and glory, you know, you can do that and you can build a team around a superstar, but it's it goes zero to sixty pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But it's more like an airplane than a train. If you can get your players, the right people, understand their gifts and get them understanding their gifts, working in a place where they do well, uh, it just, everybody then can function, contribute. And you just get such a, well, there's so much that we don't see in life. And so one set of eyeballs, one, one brain, one perspective is going to miss a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's one measurement. There, there's two measurements we use for hires with our company. And this comes from, a, it's a system called EOS. You may have yeah. heard of it. Yes, yep. it's very popular these days. Yep. Uh, real simple. It's age-old concepts. And we use it to varying degrees. Some people probably are more EOS peer than we are. Mm-hmm. But one of the measurements that's really effective for hiring is core values. That tells you if you've got the right person. We have five of them. And then the other one, other measurement for measuring which chair someone's sitting in is basically measures three things that, you know, does the person understand what their job is? Do they want to do their job? <laughs> and do they have capacity? And all three of those have to be a adamant yes. And when that aligns, you know, things go good. And when, when those three are off, even for myself, I just recently fired myself from a position and it has been a great change. Interesting. Yeah, I love that. Right. The same criteria. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, so, uh, you, you fired yourselves from which, um, which job? You wouldn't believe it. I want to know. It's sales. <laughs> you, you fired yourself was, from sales. Yes. Yep. And, and then, so fired myself from sales and the guy who I moved into it, uh, it's kind of more his cup of tea and he thrives on it more. And then he also can see so that like when I was communicating in sales, say you two were prospective clients, I would be doing a little bit of the thump, thump, thump because of my skewed perception. I could never understand my design eye and the value I bring to the table, the creativity. I always treat it like a you know, two-cent fiddle. I mean, just like don't really value it. Yeah. And gosh, a guy who's taken over for me, he's seen that. He's preached to me for years that, Bert, this is something that you don't find on every street corner. And so now he's in that position. He can blow that horn. And I don't have all the, you know, I got emotional baggage that comes along with that position, talking about myself and all this, and then being the stoic Finn as well. It was just a good move to fire myself. Yeah. Wow. So, so many I, now I can focus on design. Yeah. Focus yeah. On leadership. And then I'm getting some time in the field with some installs as well, which is interactive time with clients and bringing things together and working with the guys and, so it's been a win on multiple fronts. It's, it's weird. I mean, how, why did I go this long? You know, four years overdue, maybe three years overdue. Do you, do you think, um, move, but do you think, Bert, do you, did the, um, did the pandemic have any impact on you? I don't want to go through all your emotional baggage on the show today, Bert. <laughs> do, you think, 
Do you think the um? You don't have time for it either. No, we don't. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, it's a family show. Um, so do you think that the pandemic had any impact on you saying, "Oh my gosh, I really need to shift out of sales and and shift back more into the design and the building." I don't know if the pandemic, you know, the pandemic has brought a lot of different thinking and perspectives to many things. Uh, in some ways, maybe it did in that relationships within the company got a little bit tougher because people aren't getting you know, social exposure and this sort of thing going on. So in that way, there was some some relationship conflicts within the company that also prompted this move. The person moving into sales was having relationship issues with some other team members mm -hmm. in management. And so lessening the management load, putting the sales hat on where they flowered and prospered better just made sense as well as me holding the company back with my perspectives, my inability to blow my own horn and now, and then I can focus on really what I'm doing well. Uh, so the, the the pandemic, I think, had some uh, some effect, but it's just kind of you know when you get these light bulb moments, you wonder why it took so long. But mm -hmm. the the pearl has to grind away as a piece of sand for quite a while, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah, but right. as a good leader, you you saw the light bulb. <laughs> And you did something about it, right? Well, I can't even take credit for seeing the light bulb because there's so many times I think, oh, this is the cat's meow. This is a great idea. And it's not. Mm -hmm. And so you try it. So we, this one here is, hey, should we try it out? And, uh, you know, we were both on it. So we did. And it's worked. And, and yes. So it's the trying out, too. I don't know if, if, uh, that is a regular thing you do, but a lot of the experts we've talked to said, you know, you try it, you try yep. it for two weeks, you try it for mm -hmm. a month, get feedback. Yep. Uh, I assume yeah. perhaps that's, and that's a little bit of what you're asking when you bring on, you said your new employee. Mm -hmm. So where are you? Let me ask you some questions, mm -hmm. work with it a little bit, right? Try it out. Yep. Then you come in. Yeah, there's just no replacement for actual testing. I kind of try to balance. I don't try to test in just a wild frenzy with reckless abandon. You try to make educated guesses and try to have mostly right decisions. But I really, there was a study down, you two may be familiar with it, with an art class. And I really, it really resonates with me in that they had, they're doing pottery. and. They took one half of the class and told them that they would be graded on their most exquisite piece they could produce in its, all of its perfection. And the other half of the class, they told they would be graded, they would get an A if they produced X amount of pounds of clay projects. And the class that did pounds had much better pieces of work than those that were totally focused on the one was it yeah the perfection and perfection yeah. they just had they got to test and try and so uh and that 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 leads to your thing of embrace failure and 
and give people compliments when they make a decision that mm-hmm. was wrong, even though it was wrong, you, you give them a compliment and say, thanks for making that decision. We're not going to move forward if we don't make a decision. And if we want to be mistake free, we're just going to have to stay in bed all day. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. It, um, is it, Bert, do you have like a, um, a distinctive life philosophy that you're bringing to, um, to your company? And that, that, um, you know, cause you, you sound like a, like a master storyteller. Um, you sound like, um, you know, someone's uncle who would like just have all these wise words of wisdom. Just wondering, you know, do you, have you, um, did you start your company with a life philosophy and have you brought it through as you, you know, hired and built your company? As far as a life philosophy and just talking about, you know, one of the driving forces in starting my company, I would say it was twofold. One is, just the challenge of being able to start and do something myself. It's probably the initial incubation, but the lasting drive is to see people come in, improve their skills, learn, and if they stay for a long time, awesome. But if they move on, that they've helped me with their story, I've helped them with their story. So kind of a positive influence that way. Uh, And if... So that that and then as far as just if I was to bundle those two together, it just to the smallest life philosophy I was going to ever tell people is really to like for myself is to get over myself, focus mm-hmm. externally. It's just it's just a much there's so much that trips me up when I get too inward focused. You know, as we're closing up here, what are what are three things you would advise all of our listeners in developing effective teams that can create beautiful projects together? So three things as far as creating effective teams and being creative and collaborative, working together. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, first thing is hiring right. That's where I made the lion's share of my bad decisions Mm -hmm. and good ones as well. But understand that that's a crapshoot and be very – just understand that that getting that right – you can have the right person, but if you don't have that right chair where they understand it, where they want it, and where they have capacity, it – I'm sorry, but it is not going to go. All the hopeful thinking, all the coaching is not going to do that. So – so hiring right and being aware of that is probably, I don't know if that's number one. Maybe number one would be being aware of yourself and even creating the core values of who you want to hire. These aren't aspirational core values. They are what they are. And you can change yourself and your perspectives and your habits and your core values slowly over time. But it's, it's, a, it's a glacial thing. It's not a, it's not a flash flood. Uh, unless there's something really traumatic. That's my view. So understanding yourself, your core values, and then hiring. And then the other piece is really celebrate your own mistakes and that humble confidence and really give people the security to criticize you and and, and be when, when, when you get criticism, when your ideas are out there, just make sure that you're asking, is there anything else or what else? And that defensive posturing that is so easy for us to grab onto when that comes on. If I utter any of that as a boss, as a person of authority, 
I'm going to squelch honest feedback mm-hmm. when they can give that feedback and, and in a safe way and know that even if they don't deliver it right, whatever, they're not going to get squashed under the lion's paw. You know, you're going to get something from your employees that way. Yeah. I really, um, I really love the, the, what you've shared, you know, since the beginning of this, of this episode is really that leadership is a lot about listening. It's a lot about asking mm-hmm. questions. It's more about what's in their heads and in their minds um, than it is about what, you, what you're, frankly, what you're thinking. Um, so I do think that especially in this uh, time of hybrid timber or hybrid work teams, um, mm-hmm. I do think it's very um, important that we do spend so much of our time just wanting to know where our employees are at, wanting to know, in mm-hmm. fact, that, you know what, I have somebody who actually might be a better salesperson than I. And then having the humility to say, you know what, I'm just going to, I haven't figured this out, but let's just go see. Because mm-hmm. I do think that, I think the, the thing I love about artists and I love um, that you shared about the example with the ceramics is, you know, this really is a time where we do not know what the future is. And the only way we're going to get there is to just try stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like uh, your company has been successful because you've been, uh, you know, being, you've been humble and you've been able to um, just... Um, uh, put your ego aside and just kind of see what, what really happens. I can see anyone who works with you because you ask the questions, uh, because you pace a conversation, that they will share things with you. Mm-hmm. And so, as you already said, then you hear things and then mm-hmm. you can do. Um, yep. So I really appreciate that, you, the term you use, the humble confidence. That mm-hmm. comes out loud and clear. It's wonderful. It. Well, great. So, um, Bert, if people want to find out more about you or find out more about hybrid timber framing um, or both, um, first of all, let it, uh, why don't you share where are you on the planet and then also where can people find you? So it's, we're the state of Washington. We're right above Portland, Oregon in the city of Vancouver, Battleground, Washington, to be specific. Uh, we can be found on the web. And for a concise picture of what you can get and our philosophy like you've touched on, Mitch, here, and, and uh, that would be, the best way to do that would be to get the new book that you mentioned, The Art of Hybrid Timber Framing. The first section of the book can be really applied to any building project, any endeavor, all goal making is, is really the same thing. But there's hiring tidbits, a question you can ask yourself. Because if you were going to do a building project, you are responsible for the team you hire, which is going to be responsible for the results you get. And also there's the mental side of things, how to build the, a good decision compass. Uh, and and there's this whole thing, the responsibilities of the visionary is in the first part of the book. And then there's ideas and styles in the second part. And then well as tangible tips on bringing all the planning to the ground with getting the timbers incorporated with your building systems. Mm-hmm. Great, that's what you. the book is about. And that's on Amazon. You can buy it on our web. If you buy it on our website, I'll autograph it. Mm-hmm. A little message. It'd be kind of fun to do that. Sure. Uh, that would be the easiest way to really get a look into our soul and philosophy is through the book. But that information is on the website as well. And we're doing webinars and inspiration reports and that too as well so great well wonderful great well thank you derve 
And uh, okay. we look forward uh, maybe to having you back soon. Would love to. I'm sure uh, people can go on the web, see your company, and uh, see the beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful, beautiful. I mean, it's any lodge you've ever been in where you've seen um, the, the hybrid timber framing, you're just like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. But anyways, thank you. Uh, thank you, Bert. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you to all of our listeners. And if you've loved this episode, um, please share uh, this episode with your friends and colleagues. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Team Anywhere. 